The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What would you do if you went to the bathroom one day and you saw an eyeball looking at you? (laughs) Not your own eyeball, not that you're looking in the mirror. Someone else's eyeball. And then, no more fooling around on Dead Rabbit Radio. We're going to take a look at a brand new theory that apparently is a 2,000-year-old ritual. Is there any truth behind the story of the 40-day season of the blood sacrifice? Is the next month and a half going to be the most bloodiest time in human history? Hold on to your hats, boys. It's raining blood. Today on Dead Rapid Radio. Welcome back. You like that excitement in my voice? Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Uh, I am having a great day, and I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I gotta say this. I just recorded an entire episode of Dead Rabbit Radio about the blood sacrifice. That super exciting story I talked about in the... You know what? Before I do this, let's bring in our newest Patreon supporter, Sliding in the Dead Rabbit Command right now. He has shoes made of snakes. <laughs> it's not great shoes. He's just supposed to have snakeskin boots. He, he skipped a step and just got the snakes tied to his feet. It's Chime Chill. He's dead. He's like floating in. His corpse is being dragged by snakes. Everyone give a round of applause. If you clap loud enough, he'll come back to life. Give a round of applause for Chime Chili, and also we'll give him some anti-venom. Chime, as you get roused from your coma, I'm shaking you. I go, you're going to be our captain on pilot this episode. He's all pale. He's like, what? What? Where am I? You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, or if you've never been bit by a snake, that's fine too. And hopefully, hopefully you haven't. Just spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Now, Chime, as you're getting a blood transfusion, you're getting blood from me. You're getting the best blood on the planet. Man, I gotta tell you guys what happened. So, I recorded an entire episode about the 40-day blood sacrifice. In short, I'm gonna turn a 20-minute segment into a 5-minute segment from March 22nd or March 19th. It's kind of wiggly, but from now until May 1st, there's supposed to be some sort of mass casualty event, and it's a sacrifice to the pagan god Baal. You're like, Jason, that's amazing. Why don't you cover that? Well, I did a full 20-minute segment on it, and I was talking about a Reddit account called Conspiracy Beer Me, which we actually covered in our Nashville Bomber episode. It's a great segment. I really, really like it. But I recorded it all, and the whole thing was like, Conspiracy Beer Me, the Reddit account believes this, believes that, believes this, believes that. As I was editing it, I did a little more research. It turns out that Conspiracy Beer Me is a podcast, and they're a bunch of comedians. And I thought, as great as this segment is, and I thought, as great as this seg- someone's vacuuming now, great. I recorded a whole segment. I got to re-record this. Someone's vacuuming. Just gonna have to deal with it. As great as the segment was, it was I couldn't I couldn't edit around me saying they believe that, and it would be no different than someone saying that I believe monkeys don't exist. And their episode just came out today. 
So all of that stuff combined, I might have been able to edit around it, but they just dropped an episode today about this conspiracy. So if you want to know more about it, I would recommend checking out Conspiracy Beer Me. I think in the their podcast, I'll put the link in the show note. I may replay my segment in the future. I may use it as a bonus episode or something like that, because it is a really funny, informative segment, but I don't want to step on another podcast's toes, and I definitely don't want to keep throwing them under the bus. So we'll see what we do. Just know that somewhere out there in the Dead Rabbit universe, there's a really cool segment that maybe someday will get played, and now I need to fill 20 minutes. I need maybe not that long, but I got to tell you some stuff. The second segment is sticking around. Literally, it's a sticky story. So I'm not... That stupid vacuum. I'm not just... It's Yeah, I'm having a great day, right? And now someone outside is talking. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. The 40 days of the Feast of Ball have begun. They've begun at my house as there's chaos everywhere. So... Chime Chili, let's go ahead and hop in the Jason Jalopy. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command, and we are going to go to my old hometown of Sacramento, California. We're headed down. We're going back in time. I wanted to tell you some stories that happened to me when I was younger. Because you guys seem to like that stuff. You guys seem to like that stuff. It doesn't require a lot of research. It actually happened to me. I'm going to tell you about some bizarre events when I was younger. So first off, I'm trying to figure out the best order for this. And most interesting to even more interesting. Chime Chili, drive us down Greenback Avenue. That's kind of the main thoroughfare through... Oh, you know what? While we're here in Orangevale, Orangevale, California, which is a suburb of Sacramento, this is an interesting story. These are all going to be just kind of weird asides. Uh, Some of them supernatural, some of them true crime. (laughs) That basically sums up my entire life. It's one or the other. Today I was walking through town, not in Orangevale, I'm walking through town, I'm looking down and I see someone standing in the middle of the sidewalk wearing black boots with red shoelaces. I look up and it's just like a dad, he has his kids around there, his wife standing there, he's on the phone, he's wearing black boots with red shoelaces. Here's the thing, where I'm from, he was a white dude, and where I'm from in Orangevale, Sacramento area, A white man wearing black boots with red shoelaces means that you've killed a black person. I don't think this guy did. I hope he didn't, right? I hope he didn't. But I thought that was a really interesting thing because there are so many hidden symbols. I I don't know if you knew that. And that might not be a universal thing. And so it's super bizarre because I I had a friend who did that once. Not killed a black person. But I had a friend who was wearing black boots with red shoelaces. And I go, don't do that. And he's like, what do you mean? I go, if you walk into the wrong part of town and someone sees that, they're going to assume that you've murdered someone of a different race. You're going to assume you've committed a hate crime, the worst hate crime, murder. The vacuum is the vacuum is getting closer, so let's keep going here. I thought that was, and it's just a different way of, of living. The same thing, like you'll see people with spiderweb tattoos on their on their elbows, huge white supremacy. Uh, and where I grew up, at least, if you had that, that means you were a white supremacist. Other people go, oh, man, don't look cool. Don't look like Spider-Man. They're, they're letting themselves get bit by radioactive spiders to make the tattoo even more authentic. So I think that when you grow up in a crime-ridden area, you look for stuff like that. I've said this before. If you want to know what gang controls your area, go to the local gas station and see what color hats and bandanas they sell. Because if you go to an area and all the hats are blue... And the bandanas are blue. That means it's a crypt-controlled area. Walmarts will do it, too, in their budget clothes section. 
I remember when I first moved up here, I saw a bunch of clothes that were purple and silver, and I go, Latin Kings. This is Latin King territory. So, uh, there's, <laughs> you're, you're burning all your clothes now. You're burning all your clothes and getting rid of your shoelaces. It's easy to accidentally do that stuff. It's easy to accidentally appear that you're affiliated with the gang, and that could lead you into really bad stuff. So, Orangevale, California, um, let's talk about a weird story now. That was our true crime story. I remember once, I you know, I don't know if I've really talked to you, and I've been reluctant to because it's so ridiculous. Like, I used to, I don't want to say practice magic. <laughs> I don't want to say that, but I used to study magic. And I'm not talking about card tricks because I did that too. When I, when my parents got a divorce, when we moved from San Lorenzo to Sacramento, I was really into doing card tricks. And I actually used, it's so bizarre, it sounds so fake, but I used card tricks to convince the kids at the new school, that I was psychic. I actually talked about the divorce story and the story about the man with the knives. I used to be a really good student who was trying out for the football team and had a girlfriend and all that stuff. Then when I transferred schools, I just gave up on all of that. And I started hanging out with the rougher kids. I hung out with rough kids in San Lorenzo too, but I just sat in the back of class and just drew or scribbled and stuff like that. Played mash with all the kids. I'm like, who are you going to marry? You live in a shack. Because I can't draw. So that was the only thing I could do. But we did all that stuff. And I brought, I had a deck, a, a deck of marked cards, really, really good marked cards. No one else could tell that they were marked. And I convinced kids that I was psychic. I was the new kid who had come from the Bay Area in 1992, 1993. And um, I, conv- I was able to convince them I was psychic. I also started an underground newspaper and that made me super cool. I got dragged into the principal's office. There was a huge controversy about it. And the whole thing of the underground newspaper was, why don't we all, all the different cliques, the jocks and the nerds and the magicians, the powerful magicians, why don't we all team up and run the school? We're like, I'm the principal now. No, it's just like I said that all of these cliques were created by the administration to keep us divided. And if we all gave up our normal, like, these barriers are meaningless. The jock and the nerd, they're meaningless. The, The jock and the nerd, the vacuum cleaner that's getting closer and closer, they're all meaningless. So let's all unite. There was no goal. It wasn't like, and then we'll run the school and we'll set... We'll set the times that we're supposed to show up and we'll have turkey every day for lunch or whatever. It's nothing like that. It was just let's quit dividing ourselves among these arbitrary lines. Arbitrary, damn it. Arbit- whatever. These lines that we've made up or that the administration has made up. And it's so funny because that philosophy, first off, it's super like basic, but that philosophy is something I've always held. I think when we have these religious differences, you worship different gods and and have different religions, that's fine. But to think that I hate you because you have this different religion or you have this different skin color or you're from this different culture or different political belief or whatever, I think is always, someone's always pulling the strings and inflaming those things. And if we could say, listen, you're completely different from me. We have nothing in common at all except for the fact that we exist together on earth. Let's team up and not kill each other, and move forward. That's always been a philosophy of mine. But I was doing it, (laughs) in high school, you get dragged in front of the principal's office. As an adult, you know, nobody cares. Um, People just kind of keep on going about their lives. But anyways, so, yeah, I got dragged in front of the principal, and I did that whole, like, yeah, whatever, bro. Like, what are you going to do? Because I didn't care at that point. Uh, My entire, like, my family had fallen apart and stuff like that, and I was just doing what I did. I will say this, though. I remember being very, very popular because of that underground newsletter. I remember 
people were like, this one girl came up to me and she goes, wow, you're just like Christian Slater and pump up the volume. And I thought, I just kind of nodded. I didn't know what she was talking about. I hadn't seen the movie, I had a vague idea. Anyways, so that's a, that's just a high school. St- oh no, because I was a magician and I was tricking people with my cards. I also was studying, when I was in college, I started studying like magic, like sorcery, because I was having these encounters with ghosts and demons and stuff like that. And I thought, well, how do I fight back? Like, I've watched, I've watched this great documentary called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and sometimes you have to use magic to fight these things. So I started, like, buying books at a local witch store and was reading about magic and things like that. And I'll probably tell more stories about that. I'm just so reluctant because it's so ridiculous, right? It's so ridiculous. But I did it. I did it. I gotta be honest. And as much as I talk trash about witches and stuff like that and how much I want magic to exist, I used to, like, do rituals. I don't do them anymore, but I used to do rituals. And I remember one night, it was me, my buddy, I think it was Steve. I think it was my buddy Steve and my cousin Rachel. I said, this is going to sound completely made up and ridiculous, but just roll with <laughs> Out of all the stuff I've said on the show, this is the most ridiculous thing. So, and it's, But it's not even my most ridiculous story. I remember I had performed a spell. <laughs> so dumb i had performed a spell that in theory would turn us invisible would make it it wasn't that we would be like now you see me ding it would be that unless someone was specifically looking for you they couldn't find you so i lived at my grandma's house and my grandma's like jason are you done doing the laundry and i'm just like standing there she would see me but if she was just kind of walking around waiting for, you know, the adventures of Lois and Clark to come on, I would just be like, <laughs> I'd be the predator in the living room. She's like, why is the television so blurry? Move out of the way, blur. Whatever. Like, it's so ridiculous, but I remember doing it. <laughs> I know you're going to ask me for this spell. I'd have to find it. And it wasn't an easy spell to do. It wasn't like, mirror, mirror, make me not seen by anyone who, unless they want to gleam or something. It wasn't anything like that. It required all these banishing rituals and stuff like that so <laughs> so ridiculous i'm totally fine chum chili is like just standing there he's an arm spread run what are you talking about what is going on you once claimed that you turned yourself invisible well hold on it's actually good that we're in the jason jalopy because this 100 happened this 100 happened my cousin is a bit of a wild child and we were driving through, or- I said, hey, yeah, I think I cast this spell where we're invisible unless people are looking at me. And, and Rachel's like, oh, really? I mean, they, they were humoring me. Steve was like, oh, you know, <laughs> they knew me well enough. And I was just like, yeah, it's supposed to do that at least. So for whatever reason, we went for a drive. I think we were just going out to Denny's or Caro's or something like that. It was me, Rachel, and I think it was Steve. It might have been Josh, but I'm pretty sure it was Steve. And we get in my car. And we're driving through Orangeville. And I remember Rachel sitting in the back seat. And we're driving and there's a car coming the opposite direction. And Rachel leans her... Rachel, my cousin, she was probably like 15, 16 at this point, And she was over at my grandma's house all the time. We're driving down the road and a cop car's coming in the opposite direction. She leans her head out of the back window. And as we pass by the cop... She screams as loud as she can at the police officer. 
Now, we all grew up in Orangeville, which basically meant you were fearless of the police, right? You either had a bunch of interactions with the police and they, they, they pulled you over all the time, or you knew how to outrun, you know, outrun the police in Orangeville. You knew the roads, they knew the roads, but you, you had to figure stuff out. So that totally make that was totally within Rachel's character to do that. And she leans out the back window, and she, she might have been a little bit younger, but... Yeah, I think we were going to Caro's or something like that. She leans out the back window and she screams and I'm driving and I see her maneuvering in the back. And as we pass the cop, she sticks her head out of the window and goes, ah! she yells at the cop. And I turn, I was flipping out, dude. Because although you're fearless of the police, you you want to limit your interactions with them, right? But if you have to interact with them, whatever, you're, you'll say what you're going to say, and they're going to say what they're going to say, and, and they search your car, they don't, right? So you never want to have anything in your car in Orangeville. I remember once I got pulled over because I had a baseball bat in my car. Because, yeah, in California, that's illegal. You can't just have a baseball bat in your car. I'm recording this, actually, as I'm holding a baseball bat for whatever reason, but... She screams, and I turn around, I'm like, Rachel, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? And she goes, we're invisible, right? She's kind of laughing, and S- Steve is like, oh, great. Steve had like 10 pounds of cocaine on him. No, just joking. He was straight and narrow. We're driving down the road, and we're all waiting for that cop to bust a Yui, because at the very least, they see a girl stick her head out of the back window and scream. So the cop doesn't know what's going on, but they never, nothing. They just kept driving as if we were invisible. So is that proof that we actually turn invisible? The fact that, <laughs> Jason, that's the end of the story. <laughs> that's the end of the story. I thought eventually you'd go to Denny's and no one served on you. No one waited on you. <laughs> You're standing waiting for a while. I remember we. St- I remember a couple times that night we were speeding. Because at, at this point I wanted to see whether or not it was actually real. I remember we were doing some other unsafe traffic stuff. And there was a lot of cops. I think that happened later on. We saw another cop and I just was driving as fast as, not as fast as I could, but I was driving very fast. Cop didn't pull us over. So at that point, we did actually think maybe we are invisible if nobody is looking for us. And let me tell one more, one more story about my time. This is another weird story. We were driving, it was this time it was me and Steve. And I think Mauricio might've been there. We're driving down the same road, actually in the same area that, Rachel leaned her head out the window and yelled. It was right next, it was on a Greenback and Hazel. We're driving down Greenback one night. This story, it's hard to say whether or not it's supernatural or just straight up weird. We had just started our nightly adventure or weekend adventure to go ghost hunting and go eat at Caro's or Denny's or wherever we're headed. We're driving on the road and a dog shows up. <laughs> Chime Chili's leaving. No, Chime Chili, come back, come back, bro, come back. You're going to like this story if you like mysterious dogs. You're driving down the road, and this big dog starts walking across Greenback Lane. It's a very busy road, but we're out at like 11 o'clock at night. We see, I mean, this lane is like a giant German Shepherd. It's like standing in the suicide lane, in the yellow lane. That's it. It's like a four-lane road. Standing in the middle of the road. I think it was a suicide lane. But anyways, the dog was in the middle of the street, and I start to slow down. And the dog's looking at me. And it walks, and it's stopped in the middle of the road. There's no traffic behind us, because it's late at night, and I look at Steve, and I'm like, what the hell? Why is there this dog standing in the middle of the road? So I go to drive around it, and the dog starts walking, and now I'm, like, in the other lane, and the dog's standing in that lane now. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, he wouldn't let us pass. So I go, let's pull into the Safeway parking lot, and then we'll go through the parking lot and get away from the dog. Because at this point, like, on the one hand, I'm afraid the dog might get hit, 
On the other hand, the dog's kind of being a jerk for not letting us move. So as I'm pulling into the Safeway parking lot, he starts walking, walking. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then I get into the parking lot and the dog walks up to the car and is now standing right in front of the car. At this point, we're laughing really, really hard because we're thinking, what is going on? And I go to, no joke, this actually happened. I go to back up and the dog gets on its hind legs and puts its paws on the hood. That's how big it was, by the way. It's standing there with its paws on the hood just looking at me. And I'm laughing. I'm half expecting this guy to turn into a full werewolf and devour us all. And I'm also laughing. And, and me and Steve and I think Mauricio, he's like half there, half not. I don't remember. We're laughing really hard because this dog has basically stopped our journey right when it started. And as funny as it was, I, we were also getting this sensation that this dog wanted us to wait. This dog was delaying our journey for one reason or another. I remember kind of having that sensation as we were watching this whole thing unfold. And he stayed on our car for, I think, I don't know, it was like 15, 20 minutes. I mean, like, it was a long time. Remember, at a certain point, we're like, is this dog ever going to leave? Are we stuck here? Is the rest of our existence stuck in this car with this dog? And after a prolonged amount of time, the dog got off the car and just walked away. And I remember at a certain point us thinking the dog is keeping us here for a reason. We're not supposed to leave for a reason. But then, then afterwards, we went on our destination to go get dinner or something like that. A weird, I mean, like, was it an omen? Was it something that had we left earlier, we would have gotten a car accident or gotten a fight, which was normal in Orangevale? You know, who knows what would have happened? Who knows what would have happened? Did that dog save our life or was it just... It was uncharacteristic behavior for a dog. Um, they normally don't stop traffic. And they normally don't, once they do stop traffic, if that happens, they don't follow you into a parking lot and prevent you from leaving. So just an odd, Orangeville was such a weird town. Such an odd place. And um, just a couple odd stories from that. Yeah, and I, I hope that you enjoyed that. I hope it didn't come off as filler material. Because I do think, I mean, it technically was, I, I couldn't run the other story. But these are stories that I've thought about telling from time to time. So, yeah, I hope you guys did enjoy that. Chime, chili. Let's go ahead and call in that carpenter copter. There's a dog. There's a dog standing on the helicopter. We have to sit there for like 20 minutes to take off. But eventually, we give the doggy some pets. He, there was no way I was getting out of the car to pet this thing, dude. It was massive. I wasn't going to go into Safeway and buy it some treats. I remember us thinking, oh, dude, and I do, okay. I remember this now. At a certain, when the dog, after a certain point, when the dog was on the front of the car with his paws there, I go, let's slowly, and this is 100% true, let's slowly back up. And I remember slowly backing up and the dog kind of readjusting at first and then getting off the front of the car. And then we're, we see it walk and now it's standing behind the car i remember that fully because it was like a werewolf movie i remember we were like looking from side to side as it where did it go where did it go it's all coming in through the air vent it walked and stood behind the back of the car so mauricio must have been back there because he must have looked out the window it's behind the car it's behind the car and i don't i can't i won't say for certain that it put its paws on the back of the car but it did stop us from backing up. And I remember start slowly moving forward again. It walks to the front of the car and stands on it again. I do remember that happening. And then at that point, we weren't moving at all. Because I didn't want to accidentally back over the dog. I couldn't for certain see it when it was walking behind the car. It would not let us leave. I remember that now. It was walking along the side of the car and gotten behind us. And then eventually, just after a 
period of time. He just walked away. So Chime Chili, Chime Chili's already flying away in the government of No, come back, come back. We are leaving behind Orangevale, California. We are saying goodbye to the puppy, and we're saying goodbye to Invisible Me. We don't know where he's at, so we're just waving everywhere. Let's leave behind this area and these stories that I just kind of had to remember for this segment. We are headed out to central London. And as we're headed out to London, I turn to you, I put my hand on your shoulder, and I look you right in the eye, and I say, new today on digital and on demand. Joel McHale and Carrie Bechet lead an all-star cast in the dark romantic comedy, Happily. The film centers around a couple who, after 14 years of marriage, discover their friends are resentful of their constant public displays of affection. When a visit from a mysterious stranger leads to a dead body, they begin to question the loyalty of their so-called friends. Buy or rent happily today on digital and on demand. Rated R from Paramount Pictures. Carpenter Copter is going. Chumshilly's like, how come you didn't put your hand on my shoulder? I'm giving him a back rub. I'm giving him a neck rub. Here you go, Chime. We're headed out to central London. This was recommended to me by Barfy Man, longtime listener of the show, longtime supporter of the show, Barfy Man. Thank you so much for sending this over. And I got the bulk of my information from a Vice article written by Robert K. So let's take a look at this. Don't, 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 don't. Carpenter Copter lands in central London. This story takes place back in February 2012, so long before the demonic invasion starts. We're at a chain pub in central London, which I originally thought was a pub. <laughs> No joke, I thought it was a pub full of chains. It's like, what? what's going on over there? A chain pub is apparently like a chain restaurant. Like, we'll have Denny's where there's a bunch of them. You're like, Jason, I know what a chain pub is. The manager of the pub one night is working. Squeaky, squeaky, squeaky. He's cleaning out a glass. And he puts it down. Squeaky, squeaky, squeaky. He's cleaning these glasses. A dude walks up. One of his patrons walks up and says, hey, hey, Joey, so... You won't believe what just happened. I was in the bathroom. I was draining the main vein. I was leaking the lizard. <laughs> oh, guy's like, what? That's a very, very casual way to talk about yourself urinating. He's like, it is. But I'm a casual kind of guy. Anyways, I was in there letting it all pour out. And I'm looking through the drain. Because that's what I do, right? I'm trying to aim, right? I'm playing, playing a video game in my head. And you got to get it right through the hole. Otherwise, Princess Peach dies. And he's shooting his pee into the hole, and he looks, and he sees an eyeball in the drain. Now, obviously, the first thing you're going to think is ghost, right? If you look into a drain, first off, you're probably going to have a heart attack and faint. But after that, if you look into a drain and you see an eyeball, my first thing would be a ghost is in there. And I just peed on a ghost, so I'm going to have a really bad afternoon as this ghost chases me down, this urine-soaked ghost. But then you start to think, wait a second, that actually didn't look like a ghost eyeball, it just looked like a human eyeball. Not like there's a particular difference, it wasn't, all, it wasn't Slimer's eyeball, it didn't have a hot dog in it. He goes and he tells the guy, hey listen, there's an eyeball in there, he tells that whole story, and the guy's like, Slimer's eyeball? That doesn't make any sense. Why would a hot dog be in Slimer's eyeball? And the guy goes, I know, I know, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that there's an eyeball in... The urinal. So the owner goes back and he looks and he looks in the drain. There's nothing there. Which you would figure, right? You would, you'd figure, oh, this guy's just <laughs> drunk. He's at a pub. He's drunk, right? But the owner goes, okay. The owner, though, also notices there's pee all over the bathroom floor. And at that point, he's looking at the guy suspiciously. And he's like, dude, were you trying to, like, pee on the mirror? And that's when he saw the eyeballs. No, 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 I was peeing in the hole. I was winning the video game. But there is pee everywhere. Let's figure this out. So so he goes into this back room, 
opens the door, and in the back room, there is a fire exit. Probably not good to have the fire exit hidden in the janitor's closet. But you go through this back room, and then you see a fire exit. And the fire exit leads to the plumbing. That's, again, poorly designed area. You're running through smoke. There's fire nipping at your heels. Next thing you know, you're tripping over a pipe. And he goes to open up the fire exit to get to the plumbing. It's locked. The fire exit won't open. Super unsafe. Someone needs to report these guys, whatever chain pub this was. He goes to get the keys, and as he's coming back to open up the fire exit to see what's going on with the pipes, I think he's more concerned about the pee all over the floor now than the imaginary eyeball. He goes to get the keys to open the fire exit. I didn't even know fire exits possibly even could lock, but as he's walking back and he's jingling the keys, he hears movement from the other side of the fire exit. Uh, 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 uh. It's, not <laughs> it's not a man slipping on a banana, but he hears the sounds of a man moving really quickly. He puts the key in, click, 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 click. And now the fire exit door is unlocked. He starts opening it, and then all of a sudden it slams shut. He looks at the dude behind him, and the dude's like, uh... He tries to open it again, and it's being held on the other side by somebody. Someone is on the other side of the fire exit, in all the plumbing, desperately trying to keep the fire door closed. Eventually, the pub owner wins the fight, opens it up, and a naked man, and a man runs out of the plumbing room, dripping head to toe in urine. Just some of it's probably his, some of it's probably his when he heard the keys jiggle, but he's just dripping with urine. It's all over his face, all over his body, dripping down. It's on his knees, if you can believe that. You never get it on your knees. He screams at the men. I didn't do anything. And he runs past them. They're not going to chase. <laughs> They're not going to chase this guy, right? Let him go. Let him go. We can always track him. We can bring out, we can bring out bloodhounds and just pee on a napkin and then rawr, 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 chase him down. The pub owner goes in, the pub manager goes into the plumbing room and there's photographs of this. This story is 100% true. There's photographs of this. This guy had built a little basic bedroom back there. He has a little nightlight. He has a little nightlight. He has a little glowworm soaked in urine. He's like, oh, my only friend. He built this thing so he could, he like cut a hole in the wall so he could stick his head through the hole and he like used urine soaked toilet paper to make a pillow wasn't joking about how gross the glowworm was he took urine soaked toilet paper and made a pillow cut a hole in the wall and would put his head through the wall his neck on the urine pillow and his eyeball looking right up at the urine as people would come into a pub the place where people pee the most other than a urologist office but they pee in a little cup. So unless he figures out a way to shrink himself down, he's like, my dream is to turn myself into a microscopic man and live in a urologist's office and just soak, soak in the golden juice of goodness. He would just lay for who knows how long. They never were able to figure that out. They never caught him. He's still out there. He might be right behind you right now. You're listening to this podcast as you're peeing. Feel a little tap on your shoulder. My turn. He gets in front of you and just sits on the toilet. He's been laying there having people pee on him for who knows how long. There's so many questions with this story. Obviously, I'm not going to ask why, because it's a fetish. He has a fetish of getting peed on. 
That's not my question. I've moved I've moved far beyond questions of why people would do things. What I don't understand is the logistics of it. How did he lock the fire? This is how Jade and I am. I can tell that whole story, and these are my questions. How did he lock the fire escape? Still very concerned that the door could be locked in the first place. Second, I don't like the wind in my eyes. <laughs> I don't like walking down the street and getting blasted in the face with a gust of wind, let alone a stream of urine. <laughs> and God help you if that man has a kidney stone. He's like, oh, it's finally coming out. And then you get hit with a hard, jagged rock right in your eye. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, that's gross enough, people getting, you know, peed on your face and stuff like that. Whatever. That's one of those fetishes that I could care less about. It's, you guys do it. It's something I don't really care about. I think when you add the public, like, if I'm peeing in in a urinal or something like that, I assume that I'm going to be private. I, there's a dude standing next to me peeing, too. I don't have that much expectation of privacy. I do have an expectation of the particular view. A man standing next to me in a urinal two feet away is far different than a man a foot away from me looking up. It's a beautiful view. Don't get me wrong. But I still want to have a little bit of privacy. A little bit of privacy. So don't do that. But just the idea of getting... Imagine that. I mean, like I flinch when I put eye drops in. And I've gotten better at it because i got to put them in all the time. But it's not a three-inch long stream of eye drops. It's not from someone else's body. It's definitely not 98 degrees. Like, all of these things are so horrible about it. And so much pee has, like, minerals in it. Like, you must imagine. They're probably looking for a urine-soaked guy. You can take a shower. Look for the man with the reddest eyes in London. Look for the guy with the itchiest eyes in the country. Ah! I don't know. I've become so jaded in life that those are my questions. How? Not why does this guy get peed on, but... How do his eyes, how do his eyes survive the pee? There's a famous story going around Reddit right now. We're going to wrap it up. This one's going on a long time, but I'm having a good time. There's a story, I'll put it in the show notes. I wasn't going to cover it in full, but there was a, a story going around on Reddit about this guy. This Redditor couldn't believe this story. He goes, yeah, in Japan, there was a man. His corpse was found in a septic tank. And it was a septic tank of a woman's college. And I think, he, I don't think the Redditor actually came out and said the person was murdered, but they kept saying it's so suspicious. It's so suspicious. How does a man get into a septic tank? Like, if you look at the way that he was positioned, it'd be really, really hard for a man to get in a septic tank. How, why did he get a septic tank at a woman's college? And every, I commented, as long as everyone else did, because he's a pervert, he most likely liked watching women poop and pee on him. And I remember the Redditor was like, no, 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 it's super suspicious. If you look at the angle, he was like providing diagrams and stuff like that. I'm thinking, oh, you poor innocent soul. Like perversion, perversion will sometimes warp the laws of physics. You wonder, how could a human body get stuffed into something that small or that angular? He would be super uncomfortable. He kept saying it'd be so cold in there and he wasn't wearing his shirt. Because he's, he's a pervert. And when you're a pervert, you're immune to high temperatures, low temperatures. You're immune to angles and dimensions. Because all you want to do is get peed on. If the, if you want it that badly, you'll get it. Even if you got to be uncomfortable. Is I'm not laughing that the guy died. But I'm just laughing at the idea that there is a certain innocence still out there. I think most people are. I think I'm jaded with a lot of this type of stuff. Where they go, what? Why would a man want to get peed on? And I go, you're asking the wrong question. <laughs> you're asking the wrong question. Because if you're asking that question, you'll be asking that question for the rest of your life. If you're still asking the question, why would somebody do that? Then 
I just want to I just want to hold you in my lap. I just want to hold you in my lap and pet you like pet you like a baby lamb. That's so adorable. Why would someone want to get peed on, Jason? And you're asking the wrong question. You're asking the wrong question cuz you'll never get an answer for that other than they just really like getting peed on. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 